Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the program, everybody. You're listening to the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight, on Thursday, July 9th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackie Balestra. Thank you for tuning in. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and there is no better place to do this segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by Your Actualized Visions. A local advertising agency, Your Actualized Visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof. From logo design, business cards, banners, and signage, to online services such as website design, SEO management, promotional videos, reputation management, and loyalty promotions, you name it and Your Actualized Visions will handle it for you on time and under budget. Built on the needs of their clients, Your Actualized Visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At Your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo-answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes, followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling your actualized visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what your actualized visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com. Your Actualized Visions, your dreams today, not someday. You can learn more about the show and listen to prior episodes on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the South Bay Show or my website, southbaybyjackie.com. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on the South Bay Show. And joining me this morning is our co-host and producer, Deanne Chase, founder of Chase Law Group. For all your business needs, visit the website at southbaybusinesslawyers.com. Good morning, Deanne. How are you? Good morning, Jackie. I'm doing great. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, did you have a nice week off? You start a job, and two weeks later, you get a, you get a week off. That that works out pretty good, huh? Yeah, that was pretty nice. Pretty nice. Yeah, we were uh, pulling together some speakers for the program, and um, you know, we're always looking for great speakers for this program that have great information about the South Bay. So, uh, you know, anyone who's interested in being on the show can give me a call. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. But uh, you know, just enjoying this beautiful weather the best the best way possible given the current circumstances. You know. Yes. Yes. Well, you know what you said about the guest for the show um and today i think we're i know i'm gonna learn a lot you know that's the best thing about doing this show i've always said this from day one every single show i learn something new and i love it when we can get these experts in specific fields and we can we can get into the weeds on you know on the topic um and Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's it's so helpful to you know even if it's just one little thing you know it'll stick with you you know many years down the road you know, something something will happen and, and something you learned will pop into your head. And uh, so it, to me, that's like the best part of the show. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I no, guess, the topic's uh, really interesting, really, really important for people to know about for sure. It, 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we'll get right to it. Deanne, who's our guest this morning? Well, this morning we're pleased to host Angela Clank. She's the founding attorney at Beach City Estate Law, um, and she's got a great background, so I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, she's board certified as a specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law by the State Bar of California uh, and the Board of Legal Spe- Specialization. She's been advising families and individuals and trust in estates for over 20 years. She grew up in the South Bay, and she's a graduate of Bishop Montgomery High School, so a local girl. She earned her BBA in marketing at the University of Notre Dame, magna cum laude, and her law degree from the UCLA School of Law, Order of the Coif. After five years at a major law firm in Los Angeles, four years at a boutique estate planning firm on the west side, and six years serving as a personal advisor to the former CEO of a Fortune 500 company, she established Beach City's Estate Law to serve clients here in the South Bay. She's uh, active with many professional associations in the South Bay and serves on the board of directors of the South Bay Estate Planning Council. So uh, this morning, Angela's going to talk to us about how COVID-19 has changed the way many clients think about estate planning and what, um, and what you can do to make sure you and your loved ones are protected in the current climate. So Angela, welcome to the program. We're glad you could join us this morning. Well, thank you, Deanna, and thank you, Jackie. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Good morning. Good morning. Angela, I have to ask you, before before we get to the good stuff, the intro mentioned that you grew up in the South Bay. Now, i got to ask you, other than college, have you always resided here, or did you like live elsewhere in L.A. while you were pursuing your career? Um, I lived in uh, West L.A. for one year, and other than that, ever since college, I have ever since I got back from college, I have been a... Manhattan Beach, Redondo Beach, South Bay gal. I, I only ask because, you know, once you live in the South Bay, it's really difficult to live anyplace else in Los Angeles. So uh, I just had to mm-hmm. ask, yes, local local oh, girl yeah. who, who knew from the, yeah, you knew what it was like here from the beginning. Uh, and, you, and, I, and I bet you don't, you, you appreciated it even more when you have to live someplace else, you know? Oh, absolutely. And even after I had my kids, I, I took some time off from working at law firms when my kids were, you know, right after they were born and while they were young. And I've got to enjoy being in the South Bay for all those years with my kids and doing all the South Bay mom stuff. And the thought of getting on that freeway and going and working for a firm on the West Side, <laughs> I couldn't, you know, that's what, one of the major factors that's to starting my firm here. I said, I can't, yeah. I'm not leaving the South Bay. <laughs> That's the bubble mentality. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so yep. funny because, you know, we, I've been doing this show for nine years now. Actually, this month, I think it's the nine year anniversary. Um, but it's so funny how many guests we have wow. on that that lived elsewhere. They were in the South Bay for some reason, visiting a friend you know, or, or, you know, vacationing or something and they fell in love with it and they moved here and they may have worked like downtown or in century city or orange County, but they all eventually found a way to work here. Yeah. It's, it's just a running theme. It's like, once you get, once you get in the bubble, as Deanne just said, you get in the bubble, you never want to leave. Yeah. You never want to leave. Yeah. No, it's really nice. It's the best place to live. (laughs) It is. It is. All right. We're going to get to it. Um, Okay, coronavirus. All right, it, it's it has turned our world upside down. 
and I have no doubt that the repercussions, the repercussions from it will continue to influence everything from the law to insurance, health care. I mean, every, all, all that and everything in between. And from everything I'm reading, almost every area of the law will be influenced by, by this pandemic. But, but today we're specifically talking about estate law. So, so let's, let's start here. In your experience, Karen, um, Angela, excuse me, who's Karen? Oh, my goodness, who's Karen? <laughs> who's Karen? <laughs> Do we have another yeah, guest I didn't know about? <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, no, I guess it's that whole uh, cancel culture thing. Okay, Karen, I'm just hearing Karen a lot. Angela, I'm sorry. So let, let's start here. In your experience, in your personal yes. experience, historically speaking, like what what percentage of people actively looked into estate planning uh, uh, just in just in general um in your in your experience uh, how, how many people think think that forward very few only uh, only like 30 or 40% of americans have a will and even less than that is a, a an updated will or trust you know, this is something that is the easiest thing to be put on the back burner because it's something, there's no due date. There's nobody, you know, saying you have to have an estate plan before you can get a mortgage on your house or you have to have an estate plan like the way you have to have insurance when you buy a car. This is just something that's completely on you to get this done and no one out there saying you have to do it. And it's a subject that who wants to think about the fact that they're going to die. I mean, obviously we all know we're going to die, but we don't know when. We all hope we're going to live a long life and we're going to die peacefully in our beds. And I hope for many of us that that's how it will happen. And so we all think we have more time. Oh, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. But unfortunately, and especially with this coronavirus, we're seeing that people, you know, things happen. Car accidents happen. And now getting coronavirus and uh, thankfully many people who get the virus and they're fine, but they're, you don't know, are you one of the ones who for no explained reason are one of the ones that end up in a ventilator and don't make it. And I can't, I don't want to spend too much time being morbid, but that's, you know, it, it, it's, that's how, what I'm dealing, what I deal with on a daily basis is what happens to the families of the people who don't plan ahead. So, yes. Angela, well, you know, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, like you said, this, this estate planning is something that doesn't have a deadline. And, and frankly, a lot of people don't even know, like, what, what an estate plan is and what they need, you know, what they should have. Can you just tell us, you know, just tell it, let's we'll talk about COVID mm-hmm. and, and specifically how it's impacted estate plan, but let's lay the foundation for maybe for those who aren't attorneys, who really need to understand what an estate plan is yeah. and, and really why they, why they need it. But I think, you know, we as attorneys have a tendency to kind of assume Absolutely. things without really kind of, let's lay that foundation. Yes, absolutely. Um, the first foundation with estate planning is something that you do not even need a lawyer to do. Um, I always tell my clients or anyone who asks me about this, that planning for your own incapacity is 
the crucial is the most important thing and the thing to start with. Um, and the first part of that is planning for your health care decisions. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to tell a little story about why this is so important to me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, a couple of years after I'd gotten out of law school, um, my grandmother, who was in her 90s at the time, uh, was, you know, on her last stages of life. And I had gone to visit her. She was in assisted living at the time. I went to visit her one day. And it was a Sunday afternoon. I went in there. And I looked at her, and she, I, the look in her face, her, she looked at me, her eyes were so scared, and she looked down at her hands. I followed, I looked down at her hands, too. Her hands were tied to the bed. She couldn't talk. She had a feeding oh, tube in her nose, and her hands were restrained. And I taught, you know, I went over, comforted her, held her hand, and, you know, we visited. And then I went and talked to the staff and I said, why is a feeding tube and why is her, are her hands restrained? And they said, she keeps, you know, she won't eat and we put the feeding tube in and she keeps pulling it out. So we had to put, restrain her hands and we, we have to keep feeding her. And I said, well, why do you have to keep feeding her? Why, you know, if she doesn't want to eat, she doesn't want to eat. Well, we have to because she doesn't have a healthcare directive on file and we ask if there's no one to tell us that, that she doesn't have to eat. Oh, boy. So oh, so that story speak. illustrates how... Yeah. Go ahead. Go so ahead, Go the, ahead, Angela. The first part of the state planning is an advanced health care directive. Yeah, so the first part is a, it's called an advanced health care directive. And it's a document that every single person over the age of 18 should have this document. And there are... I have a free download of an advanced healthcare directive on my website, uh, beachcitiesestatelaw.com. You can just look under resources, AHCD for advanced healthcare directive. And every hospital in the area has, has an advanced healthcare directive. It's a very simple standard form that, that the, um, that's part of our law in the state of California is the ability to designate another person healthcare decisions for you if you can't make them yourself. So well, and here's the most the thing, important Angela, thing about this document is naming those persons. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, you know, when I asked you about estate planning, I think a lot of people just think a will. Yeah. But, but people don't think about that estate planning. It includes this mm-hmm. very important, you know, incapacity. Like we, talk, we think about estate planning as being death, Right. You know what? You know who's gonna who what, who's gonna do what right. with your uh-huh. stuff after you die? But but estate planning really entails uh-huh. so much more. And and anytime you go to a hospital or just absolutely, anytime you have a basic surgery, they're always asking you for this advanced health care directive. So what is it specifically that the advanced health care director um, does? There's two things that it does. The first, it allows you to, to name agents. And if that's all you want to do, that's absolutely fine. Like, so it names, you know, in, in, in order of importance. So if you name one person, they can't act, the next person is called to act. And usually there's the same person. So it's the person who's going to speak for you when you can't speak for yourself. The person who's going to ask questions of the Angela, person yeah. who's going to stand up to the Angela, uh, Angela, one second. Angela, Angela, 
pretty badly we don't have anything yeah um okay yeah. i can hear see. you so just give me the okay i'll give you the number give me the number i'll call it with, my, with another line oh okay great it's uh 714-242-5288 all right i'm gonna hang up and call from another line because you're saying all this uh, important stuff and we're not hearing it so all right so call call right back in okay Okay. All right. Okay. okay I just good. disconnected. Yeah. Her. You know hope, that she's talking. That... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's talking about um, things that are really, really important. So, uh, you know, that definitely this, you know, just to talk a little bit about what, you know, what she was talking about, these advanced healthcare directives. Anytime you go to the doctor's office, you know, if you, if you go into the hospital for a, for a, even a minor surgery, when you're filling out all those forms, one of the basic questions is, do you have an advanced healthcare directive? And that's basically you're, you're saying that that's the person that, heaven forbid, you go in, you know, for a minor surgery that turn, that goes bad, and you end up in a situation where there's someone that has to be making decisions for you. And so many people don't have that, that basic document. Okay, yeah. I'm back. Sorry yeah. about that. Oh, good. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You were saying important stuff, and we want to hear it. So what you were saying, you're just going to have to repeat it all. <laughs> okay. Right. So, yeah, so we were talking about what the Advanced Healthcare Directive does. Okay, so the, the first purpose of the Advanced Healthcare Directive is naming the agent, so naming somebody to make the decisions for you. And if that's, if, and let me just quickly say what the second part is, is letting people know what your preferences are for your healthcare decisions. And some people don't want to go there yet. They, they are not sure. It, it's, it's a lot to think about. So even if you don't want to do part two, you, need, you should do part one, which is naming an agent. And you want to name somebody who you trust, who's level-headed, who, who, will, who will make the decisions in accordance with what you've either told them or documented in writing, or if, if you haven't done that, just what they think you would want done in, in certain situations. Um, because there's a lot, and this person is a key person because they're the one who's going, there may be many members of your family or loved ones who have a stake in what decisions are made or what course of treatment should happen. And sometimes there's arguing with the family members and people can't decide, should we keep the life support on or off or should we do this procedure or not? And this one per- the one person that you nominate is going to be the ones talking to the doctors. They, the doctors don't want to listen to five family members arguing. They want to listen to one person who says, this is what, this is what, the person would have wanted. Um, so that's the important thing. You know, the number one thing is naming an agent. And then the second part of this document where you can specify things that you either do or don't want in terms of healthcare. And 
I've seen forms where there's, you know, it goes into kind of nitty gritty detail about I want a feeding tube in this situation and not this situation, or I would want, want to be on a ventilator in this situation or not. And to be honest, those things can take you down a rabbit hole. And I do not recommend that because it just impedes you from getting this document done. Um, right. There's, mm. With healthcare, there's so many variables. And then, you know, even before coronavirus, who would have, who would have thought that there was a virus that could come that someone you know could be on a ventilator for a month or two and then after their you know, body recovers they're able to come off and will be fine like some people may have said I don't want to be on a ventilator longer than a week and if you mm. just say that in a vacuum without thinking there might be some condition that you don't even know about that they're finding oh you can stay on the ventilator for longer there are people who recover after that period of time you want to give your agent flexibility to for new information and new things that happen in the future um, but the, the the part of the form where you can specify what your healthcare preferences are is kind of some there's people are kind of in two camps the, the camp of i don't want to be alive by machines if I'm going to die anyway. And then mm-hmm. the other camp is keep me alive as long as there's some reasonable hope that I would recover. Um, and people generally know, in my experience, when I go through with my clients, I go through these, this document with them when they sign their other estate planning documents, people know pretty much right off the bat which of those two camps they're in. And that just making that decision will help the agent in making a decision for you down the road. Yeah, that's great. Great information. Um, so, so important to have, you know, to give, to have your wishes heard and that because people don't even, sometimes, sometimes people don't even want to talk about this, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so it's a, right. So and yeah. people, yeah. And people have told me that when they go home and, and typically what I do is we go through the advanced health healthcare directive when we design the estate planning documents, so not, not the day that they're signing it. So they, they tell me, they go home and they talk to their loved ones about these things. And it's some of their most deepest conversations that they end up talking about what's really important to them and what would they want to happen in various situations. Um, and and Angela, it, it, Angela, does that, yeah. d- does the advanced healthcare directive, does that include a DNR or is that a separate no, no, DNR is completely separate, and that the DNR needs to be done with a doctor. And so, and this, you know, a DNR is, as I understand it, is a direct, you know, you know, do not resuscitate. Like you've already had this conversation with your doctor, and the order is do not resuscitate. Whereas a healthcare directive is your wishes about, you know, you either do or don't want to be kept alive on life support, and you know, the, the agent can, you know, can make, depend, the answer might be different depending on the circumstances, whereas the DNR is you know what the circumstances are. You know what your illness is. You know what your condition is. So, yes, this is completely separate from that. Yeah, I know people that have, have said, you know, uh, it, I, I don't want to be resuscitated. You know, if something, I, I don't, I, I know people that have just come out and said that. Um, so, mm-hmm. so. I guess, as you said, you'd have to fill out a form, sign something with the doctor. But um, before that, you know, before you even get to mm-hmm. that point, I, I know people that uh, that that said no, there's no reason to. Particularly much older people, 
you know, mm-hmm. um, right. I, you know, I have a couple of family members that are, you know, well into their nineties and they're like, Hey, if I go, there's no reason to bring me back, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, it, everything, it changes as your life goes on. Like if I was in a very bad car accident and I got brought into the ER and I needed to be kept, you know, put on machines while my brain or body recovered. Absolutely. Try to do everything that you can to, to, to keep me alive. But it might be different if I was 95 years old and had Alzheimer's. I might say, if I got in a car accident, just let me be. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. so everyone, you know, you make, everyone has, you know, but the beautiful thing is about this is that you have your own, you can make your choice as to what you want to happen to you and you can choose someone for you if you can't. And everyone over the age of 18 needs an advanced health care directive. Because for those of you who have young adults in your family, as soon as your child turns 18, you can't make a health care decision for them. So they, they need an advanced health care directive to either designate their one parent or another important person in their life to be their health care agent. Well, wow. That's, that's really I have interesting to, to think about. That, that, yeah, my, my daughter's yeah, turning 18 yeah. in a couple weeks, so I better get one of those for my daughter. <laughs> right, right. When you're so you know, young, you know? Yeah, Right. Who, who the heck wants to even think about that? Nobody wants to think about that. And, uh, no. th- you know, wow, that that's kind of a mind blower. And it's, you know, everybody talks today about how much they're not teaching in school these days. I mean, unless both of you, like both of you ladies, you went to law school, you learn this stuff. But most people don't even know about this. I, you know, they're mm-hmm. not teaching this in school. It's not something that I, I don't even know where you would get this information unless one of your parents was an attorney. Or a doctor. Right. And that's know, why um, we reached out because, you know, we we actually have a program for young adults where we work directly with, you know, the usually it's the parents who contact us, but it's called our young adult plan. And we would work, you know, with the child. We have a phone call with the, the young adult to talk to them about what these documents are, why they need them. Um, they pick their agents. And it's kind of a rite of passage for this young adult to – you know, learn how to work with a lawyer, um, you know, learn that, you know, they don't need their parents there forever. You know, now that they're 18, they can make their own decisions. Um, and kind of sending the, your child out uh, with this foundation of having another trusted advisor in the family and someone to call on uh, if, when they need assistance. Um, so uh, I'll, I, I know for a fact, I know for a fact, my parents didn't have that for any of their kids. And it's really freaking me out that that <laughs> once you turn 18 and something happens to you, your parents don't have the power to to make any of those decisions that uh, my mind right. is being absolutely right now. Right. You know, and, and, you it's, know, and every... it's true because people don't think about that. But, yeah, even. You know, I'm finding as a parent of my daughter is starting is very nearing the age of 18. Yeah, there are certain things that I didn't I didn't realize or think about, but definitely with regard to medical care, like even you know making it making an appointment or or rescheduling an appointment or things like that. Like any any communications with the medical office. You know, now we need to. I she needs she needs to give me, uh, uh you know, access. So it's right. just something to, to think about. But these are things people don't think about, like you said. Yeah. No. And, I, you know, I, sim- I, along that same vein, though, is 
if your child is in college and you're, they're still on your health plan and you may need to call the doctor's office or the insurance company and negotiate there's some problem with the billing, you can't do any of that without usually this health care directive. And then there's other, two other documents that we do for, for people, which is the financial power of attorney and something called a HIPAA release, which the HIPAA release is a document where one person gives another person authority or allows the doctors and the medical professionals to talk to somebody else about your healthcare situation. So that, you know, that if you're Mm -hmm. calling about your child's bill, the, um, they don't. They can't talk about the bill unless they're cleared to really release that information to the parent. Wow. And then, yep. wow. And then the other document is the financial power of attorney. Um, that that would allow someone else to manage bank accounts or make financial decisions when someone is incapacitated. And again, thinking about the coronavirus, people on a ventilator for a month or two. Who's going to pay your rent? Who's going to pay your credit card bills? Who's going to, you know, you know, make sure your insurance is doing what it's supposed to do? None of those things can be done unless you've designated someone else to make financial decisions for you with a power of attorney. Wow. And that's something that you don't need, you know, a big house with a rolling driveway to have these three basic documents. Every single person over 18 needs this health care directive, the financial power of attorney, and the medical information release. What is, um, what is, so HIPAA, what is HIPAA stand for, stand for again? Uh, health insurance, uh, portability, portability. <laughs> and <laughs> access. Um, I don't know. I, I see it on my oh, phone oh, yeah. every day, and I, I don't have it. Yeah. It's about yeah, access. I remember. I knew. I knew access. The okay. Uh, yeah, I knew what it was, but I kind of forgot all of these acronyms. Yeah. Um, it, it protects uh, you people's know, private information. That's essentially what it does. HIPAA. Right. Right. Um, you know what? Let's let's do that uh, uh, station break now. We'll do our station yeah. break, Deanne, and uh, and boy, there's uh, we just blew a half hour already, and I mean we have so much to talk about. Uh, so I'm going to make mm-hmm. this really fast. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, everybody. I'm your host, Jackie Balestra, and you're listening to the South Bay Show, a hyper-local podcast that airs every Thursday and Friday morning at 8 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio. The show features the many fabulous things to do, places to go, and people to know in our South Bay. From El Segundo to the Palos Verdes Peninsula, we cover it all, so be sure to tune in each week to keep up with what's going down in our beachside bubble. Now, this morning we're speaking with Angela Clank, founding attorney at Beach City's Estate Law, and we're discussing all things estate law. There's a lot of important stuff. We've already learned a bunch of important stuff. Uh, if, you, if you're just tuning in now, be sure to go back after the show and listen to the first half of the show because uh, very, very, very important stuff. Um, okay, so Angela. Oh, actually, yes. I was gonna, I was, I was, I was, I was gonna toss it to Deanne, but real quick. So, the first three things you really need to have: advanced healthcare directive, a power of attorney for the financial stuff, and and the health insurance uh, release form, so that you can get yeah. uh, information. And this is for any. The minute anybody turns 18, you may be a parent, your kid may be living with you, you may be paying for all their insurance, their education, and everything else, but 
you don't have any power over that person's health anymore. You don't have any power to Correct. make any decisions about that person's health anymore. Okay, Deanne, where should yes. we go from here? Well, um, well, well, we started this 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 part of the conversation by talking about what an estate plan is because you know people see ads for estate planning and and all those things, and so we were talking about you know what you know what an estate plan is, what's included, and then Angela started telling us about. Uh, advanced health care directives, which, like we were saying, a lot of people don't even realize that that's part of an estate plan. We think about death. So what other documents and what other um, items should people be thinking about, Angela, when they're putting together their estate plan? Okay. Um, yes, absolutely. Great question. Um, the net, Once you've gotten those three things and taken care of yourself, then you want to think about who who do I have in my life who is relying on me? Do I have children who, I'm, who are relying on me? Do I have elderly relatives or other people with disabilities who are relying on me? And documenting how this person will be taken care of if I'm either incapacitated or I've passed away. Um, and the most important document for that purpose and the most common one is a nomination of guardians. Because a guardian is who's going to take care of your child or minor, minor children if you're deceased or incapacitated. And people so, think, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say on that, on that point, and I don't want to take you too far off track, but, um, again, as a parent myself with, you know, one young, well, two minor children currently, that, that can really become a difficult decision for people because you start looking around at your relatives and you start thinking, okay, they live in this, this same state and my kid would be able to stay in school. But um, what happens if, if people aren't able to identify who their guardian should be? Um, that might take us down a, compl- a different road. Let me just give you a, a quick question or a quick answer. Like there could be fighting among people who think if you haven't named a guardian and you pass away, there may be a number of people who think I want them to come with me or I want them here. And there could be, you know, legal battles about who's going to take your kids. And Mm. they, while those things are being decided, and if there's no clear person to take care of your kids, they go to the foster care system pending that determination. So I have, I've known people who they become estate planning lawyers because as a child, they you know, their, their parents passed away and they ended up in foster care for, wow. for a number of years while they, the, the, the government was trying to figure out which of their relatives was going to take care of them. And that, that's a scary thought. That is scary. Okay, uh, so we need the nomination of guardian. And then what else? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we get to what people think of when they think about estate planning, which is a will. And a will is something as a document that says, where do you want your property to go when you pass away? And, but that's not the only document that, that could apply because a will only applies to property that's in your name alone. I owned a house only in my name. My will would apply to that. Or if I own a bank account in my name, the will would apply to that. But there's other estate planning you know, tools that are not a will because I might have a a retirement plan that has a beneficiary designation and I don't need to go Mm. to a lawyer to get my beneficiary designation done. All I need to do is make sure that on my 
401k or my IRA or my Roth, et cetera, that I have people designated to be the beneficiary of that plan when I pass away. Um, and there's all sorts of good reasons why you might want to talk to a lawyer in, in thinking of figuring out your beneficiary designations because you, know, you don't want to name your 10-year-old child as the beneficiary of your IRA because if you die, they can't do anything with your IRA until they're 18. And like, so there's this whole estate planning is a web of complexity because you think, oh, okay, beneficiary designation, I'll take care of it myself. But there's part, you know, many parts of it that you want to consult with a lawyer just to make sure you're doing the de- beneficiary designation correctly. Or, you know, what options do I have if I have a child who's, who's 10 that I want to be the beneficiary? What can I do? And that takes us to an, another document that I, that is, I usually do for my clients here in the South Bay, and that's called a living trust. Right. So that's uh-huh. probably what you see most of the advertisements about, doing a living trust. Well, and the thing um, is, I mean, just I think, uh, you know, so many people say, oh, all I need is a will and I can do it myself and I'll download this template and call my neighbor over to witness it. But they don't realize, and, and you're going to tell them about just how important a trust is because a I, I mean, I'm not an estate planning lawyer. I'm a business lawyer. But based on my knowledge of the law, I, I think a will is not enough. And, and I think people need to do this living trust. So tell them about what the yeah. living trust is, how it differs from the will, and mm-hmm. why we should have one of those. Absolutely. Um, a living trust is a document that you put into place while you're living, and you actually transfer assets into your trust. So when I was talking a minute ago, I said, if I owned a house in my own name, if I, when I set up a trust, I won't have a house in my own name because I'm going to transfer my house into my trust. And I'm going to transfer my brokerage account into my trust. So my trust is going to own all of those assets. And I am going to be what's called the trustee of the trust. So the, the trust is a kind of, it's, it's sometimes easy to, easier to think about it as an, like, almost like a corporation or a partnership because it's kind of like an entity, but it is not a legal entity. It's, more, it's really a relationship of trust among the – there's three roles in, this, in the trust. is the person who created the trust, which, which is called the, the settlor or the trustor. So I would be the person creating my living trust. The person who's managing the assets, which is called the trustee, and while I'm living and while I'm, I have capacity, I am my own trustee. And the third person is the beneficiary. That's the person for whom these assets are being held. And while I'm living, I'm the beneficiary. So I've created this trust by going to see a lawyer and, and documenting what I want to happen. And while I'm living, I'm, I serve all three roles. But say something happens to me and I'm incapacitated, my, I've named people who, are, who will become the trustee if I can't be the trustee. So if I'm incapacitated, my successor trustee immediately can take over management of my accounts and do anything that they need to manage what's in the trust. Whereas a will only takes effect when you die. So if all you have is a will, you don't have anyone taking care of you 
or your finances while you're living. So that's, oh, that's important purpose yeah. number one. Important purpose number two is transferring your assets after you pass away. With the will, in order to change title to the assets, to whoever I've picked as my beneficiary, the will has to be filed with the probate court. And then there's a long procedure called a probate that has all sorts of paperwork and deadlines. And you file the will with the court so anybody can go down to the courthouse and get a copy of your will. During the probate, and people monitor you, those. People monitor those. Oh yeah, filings. absolutely. People monitor. And those. then your your and loved ones how, get targeted. Yeah. Mhm. You start getting mail from all sorts of people about can I help you sell your house? Can I, you know, do you need this insurance product? You know, all sorts of things people are targeted about. But even worse is during the probate, the executor, who's the person managing managing the the probate. They have to file with the court a list of all of your assets and their values. So they list the value of your house or, you know, the address of your house and the value of your house, what bank accounts you had, what brokerage accounts you had, and all of the values submitted for anybody to come and take a look at that information. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That yep. just sounds like that. That Yeah. Oh, boy. With, with identity theft today, and, and that's just out there? They just mm-hmm. put it out yep. there. I mean, no social security oh. number, no social security numbers, and no account numbers. But still, who wants all of their information publicized? Um, and that's a long, trust. that's a, an unwieldy process. And and that's why I tell my clients, you know, to always to speak to an estate planning lawyer about putting a trust together because that probate process takes a long time. And meanwhile, you know, your loved ones are trying to figure out what to do with a lot of what left over you know what do you know there are bank accounts like i have a client right now whose husband passed away they were a sole proprietor they had a business you know you've got bank accounts that are in the name of this individual but um you know they have to go through probate if there's no no living trust Mm -hmm. and that's what i think is really it's so unwieldy and slow Mm -hmm. and frustrating because they need a court order to be able to say, you know, that trust, you know, yeah, you can now access the funds in that account and deal with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And it takes, from the time we, we file the petition for probate, normally it's four weeks later you get your court date. And then about two or three weeks later you get the court document that says that the executor can go to the bank and access those funds. So you're looking at least six weeks, you know, but that's if, you know, you got to give at least a week or so to prepare the, the document that gets filed with the court. With COVID, we filed petitions in March that have not been heard yet. Uh. So we have people, you know, people, you know, some people would get, you know, I recommend an, a small insurance policy so that at least that, the insurance policy, if you name somebody, you know, you're going to get a will only and not a trust. You want your your loved ones to have access to some money without having to go through probate. So if you buy an insurance policy, hmm, that came. There we go. Time. Uh, but we we you were you were you were going you're in right. and out again there. Oh boy, I'm sorry oh, about that. Okay, would you just okay. repeat that last part, please? 
about the insurance that with if you have yes. an insurance policy with with valid beneficiary designations, at least that money can be paid out to your beneficiary while you're waiting, while your executor is waiting for the court order to be able to access your bank accounts through the probate. But with a living wow. trust, you don't go through probate. Immediately when you pass away, and once that death certificate is issued, then the person that you have named as successor trustee can start managing your bank accounts and arrange to sell your house or you know, if that's what the plan needs to be. Or, you know, immediately they can take over and start administering and start doing what needs to be done to wrap up your affairs. Um, and the yes. third part about the, the will versus the trust is probate has fees, a fee schedule based on the percentage of your assets. And it's actually the gross value of your assets. So if you have a house in the South Bay that's worth, you know, 1.5 million and maybe it has a, you know, 800,000, $900,000 mortgage on it, you know, your equity may only be 200,000 or, you know, I didn't do the math right there, but anyway, you're not yeah, we're with you. The, the <laughs> point of this is it's the gross value of your assets, not offset by any debts. So you may think, oh, I, I only have 200,000 of equity in my house. It's not that much. But no, it's the $1.5 million that it's worth. And there's this fee schedule is based on the percentage of your assets. So the executor and the attorney who handles the probate gets this fee no matter how much or how little work needs to be done. Whereas with a living or trust... Or how much or how little or they're actually in the bank account. Right, because we have this, you know, net amount that, you know, if you have to pay off this mortgage, you may only have 200000 to to work with, but you're still mm-hmm. having to pay the attorney based on the $1.5 million. Wow. A little, another trust, little something, another little something nobody probably knows. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. And then let's talk about if you don't have a will, so you don't have a trust and you don't have a will, you're what's called intestate. So intestate mm-hmm. is when you don't have a will and you have assets in your name and then you still go through probate, but the court, there's the law decides who receives your assets. And there's a yeah, this priority is order. That a lot of people don't realize is if you do nothing, this is what, then the state's going to tell you where your stuff is going to go essentially. Right. Right. Because the bottom line is everybody has an estate plan. Because if you don't, if you haven't written your own, you go with what the state has written for you in the law, and most times that's not what people would want to happen. So, right. you know, right. a better way of thinking about it is, is I have A, but I don't want A. I want B. You know, I want the huh. living trust. I want something that is put in place to, you know, keep my family's and my information out of the court to streamline the process to, you know, have it more in our control and not the court's control. So like an example would be like, if you have, if you do nothing and maybe you have a second marriage situation where, you know, someone's married and they say, okay, well, you know, my spouse came from another marriage, you know, came in from another marriage or is, is independently wealthy, say, and I want the house to go to my kids instead of my spouse. If you don't, if you do nothing, the house is going to go to to the spouse and not to the kids. It's just an example. 
right? Well, yeah, it's Something kind like of a, comp, it's a little more complicated because there's different rules for what happens to community property or separate property. And depending right, on, right. you know, if the house is separate, you know, but still there's, then there's lots of, there's, you're just creating questions. One, do we have to figure out whether it's community or separate? Two, we, you know, who, who, who gets this asset? Three, is that who you would, would, wa- would have wanted to get this asset? Right. And, and so, here's um, one so more Jackie, important point. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say here's one important point. So um, even if you do go through and do all of these things, advanced health care directives, power of attorney, nomination of guardian, wills, living trust, you do all this stuff. Anytime you have a, a major life change, you need to revisit those. You, you, you should, you know, have a child, yep. get divorced, have a new, get a new marriage, uh, take on responsibility of care for an, an elderly family member. Uh, you you have to revisit and make sure that everything is up to date. I only mention that because um, I I have all of this stuff we've been talking about, but and my husband and I have been saying we need to go back and and update that. Uh, so so mm-hmm. yeah, this is all really really important stuff yeah but i want you know we've learned so much you've shared so much important information with us and we only have 10 minutes left i want to get into um how covid has has affected in your experience estate planning what what are what have you been dealing with the last three or four months how is how is covid affecting everything yeah yeah okay hugely affected i mean we're lucky in that we can do our work on a computer and, you know, we, we everyone's working from home and we're able to access all of our documents and work remotely. And we've, we've learned how to do that very, very well, very, very quickly. Um, but in terms of our clients, we can't see them in person. And we're seeing our clients via video conferencing. And, you know, it's better than a phone call, but it certainly is not the person-to-person, you know, interaction where you, it, you know, it really, you know, the, the person-to-person helps in terms of mm-hmm. you're putting your trust in somebody to, to take care of you. And, you know, so ha- the absence of that has, has been a little challenging. But, you know, the, we are seeing our clients on Zoom. We're able, you know, we're able to do their documents. The signing of the documents has gotten much, much more complicated because mm-hmm. our documents, state planning documents need to either be notarized or witnessed by two people. And it, you know, when, when this COVID first came and everybody was locked down and you couldn't go out, you couldn't get to the notary or the notary couldn't get to you. At least now that we, with social distancing and masks, we are, we're, we're doing all of our signings outside now. So I have mm-hmm. a remote notary that will go to the client's home and either I'll be on the phone or sometimes I'll be there, but again, six feet away with my mask on and, you know, everyone wearing gloves and we, you know, the documents kind of get passed, you know, we have a, we have a, a process where we, we keep social distance and the documents mm-hmm. need to get executed, but it's a much, it's more complicated mm-hmm. than it was before. Um, but my clients who are in assisted living, I can't see them at all. And I have people who oh, right. have wanted to do something and, you know, just coordinating with their facility to get a Zoom call going to talk to them. And then, um, you know, trying to, there, you know, there are things that you can do without a notary, but it's, 
you know, it's much, you know, more time consuming and um, a lot more steps just to figure out what you need to do to document and prove you know, what their decisions are if you don't have a notarization. Um, wow. And then obviously people are thinking more about their mortality. So we are, we have, we are busier than we've, than we've been before. Um, and you know, one thing we've done for our clients is we actually had a remote signing Saturday a couple of weekends ago where we had a remote notary come and we set up, set up outside on the patio outside my office and we had like a notarization station, a signing station, and we, you know, people came at specified appointments and we had eight groups of families come in to get their documents notarized that day Wow! just because it was really efficient to – you know, have the notary here. Everyone came with their, you know, their time slots, so there was no overlap between the clients. And it was great to to have everyone have all of their plans executed and and see the peace of mind that they received or the, that came to them. That they, you know, they, you know, they took the action to get their plan in place. And you know mm-hmm. we helped them along, and we made it happen with the, the with with the remote notary, you know, coming to the office and you know having this outdoor signing. And it's so satisfying to see the look on people's faces when they finish their plan and they know they're protected. Wow, wow, uh, Deanne, uh, I'm sorry I interrupted you before. You had something you wanted to ask or say? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think no, I mean, I, I think talking about COVID, I think the question is, you know, are you seeing increased, you know, like I said, now people are t- thinking about their mortality more, you know, I guess that would be the greatest impact of COVID at this Absolutely. point, people thinking about it younger? Um, not necessarily younger, but people, you know, because I think the younger people are, they just, you know, I don't know if they think they're invincible or it's just too far away, but Definitely people in 50s, 60s, 70s, a lot of people, you know, who already have a plan wanting to tie up some loose ends or make some changes or, you know, people who are, you know, this has been the the thing that spurs them to to pick up the phone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd always, you know, would rather spend my time working with people planning and making sure the bad things don't happen than Spent, you know, because we also do the administration side. So I do spend time with people picking up the pieces and what, you know, helping the loved ones through what happens when you don't have a proper estate plan. Um, so I know, I know, I know, I know, I've heard and I know personally of many horror stories of people that did not take these steps. Uh, you know, one older gentleman I know promised his younger son his whole life, oh, you're going to get this house. And uh, when he passed, he didn't have anything in place. And uh, well, actually, he ended up going into a, 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 some sort of facility uh, for Alzheimer's. And the state ended up taking the house, pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yep. so, you know, that, you know that, 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 that I've heard story, horror story after horror story like that. And uh, it can be avoided. And uh, Angela, I've just, I've, I have a list here of everything you just told us about. As I said, um, I have, my husband and I have all of these, but uh, we should probably update it because we haven't, we haven't looked at it in a while. But very, very important. And you're right, the peace of mind that comes with this, it, it's, it's a weight off your shoulders. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is with estate planning is that they kind of everything we've talked about are the, are the issues that are common to everybody. And everyone knows about mm-hmm. these issues. And, you know, you may not think about them all the time, but they're common. To, or these are things everybody has to worry about. When, when you come talk to a lawyer and the, a good lawyer will ask you lots of probing questions and find out more about you and your family and your assets and what your wishes are, there's, it opens a Pandora's box of other problems that you didn't even know mm-hmm. existed that need addressing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not right. that they're problems, right. but they're, that they're yeah. you know, things that can be done to make things happen the way you want them to happen but that wouldn't have happened if you didn't go see the right lawyer. Um, All right, listen, I want to get your, I want to get, we have two, we have a couple of minutes left. I want to get your contact information. How can people get in touch with you, your website, phone number, whatever you want to give out, email, uh, how can people get in touch with you, Angela? Okay. Our website is beachcitiesestatelaw.com. So all one word, but long, beach cities, Mm -hmm. I-E-S, estate, E-S-T-A-T-E, law.com and on the website we have that healthcare directive if you go to the resources section and we you can actually on my website make an appointment to talk to one of my team members like you just literally there is a calendar you pick your slot and can set up a time at your convenience that we will call you at that appointed time so no no playing phone tag with us um, or obviously pick up the phone if that's your if you'd like to do that. And our phone number is four two four four hundred twenty one twenty five. And uh, love to to talk to you and see if we would be a good fit for uh, helping you out with your estate plan. And you know, there's lots of options out there in the South Bay. Lots of good options. Lots of not so good options. So um, it is, yeah, it's but they're they're not on this a, podcast. Yeah. They're, yep, they're not yep. on this podcast. So I would, so, you know. I would we'd <laughs> love, you love to talk to you guys. Yeah. And, I and I've worked with so Angela a lot. She's, she's yeah, very knowledgeable and very caring, and that's what you really want Yeah, for your family. Right. All right. Well, listen, we have got to wrap this up. Angela Clank, founding attorney at Beach Cities Estate Law. Angela, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed this. We learned a ton. Deanne, thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm really glad to be able to bring, you know, people like Angela to our South Bay audience to give them great information. This is fun. That's what it's all about. All right, that's our show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And be sure to tune in tomorrow morning for Manhattan Beach 360. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now.